I'm Kevin Bachman. On today's episode of Background Check Radio, I'm joined by Barry Nixon of preemploymentdirectory.com. We'll talk about a survey he did and the trends he and I see coming out of it. Stick around. Welcome to Background Check Radio. My guest today is Barry Nixon. Barry's been in the industry for over 20 years, supporting employers, data providers, and CRAs alike. He recently put a survey in the field of his network, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast today to talk about it. Barry, what did you ask, and what did you find out? Well, Kevin, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, our survey, the question was, what impact do you believe the COVID-19 pandemic will have on the background screening industry? So that was kind of the, the overarching question. And we got some very interesting responses. Uh, about 18, about 14% of people said, I do not think there will be significant changes once the pandemic passes. So those were the business as usual crowd. Um, uh, about 31% said, I think the massive switch to people working at home will become the new norm for working and will hasten the need for background screening processes that accommodate people getting hired remotely and working from anywhere. So that was about 31% uh, responded that way. Um, Another 25% said, I think it is likely that due to the change in how people work, new technologies and business models will emerge that will disrupt the current way that background checks are conducted. So that was 25%. And then about 17% said, I think with layoffs and unemployment rising, the pandemic is going to put background screening into a slump, which will trigger a buying frenzy of background screening companies that are barely making it. So that was 17%. And then we had 13% write in a response uh, of their own. And we'll talk about that. There was really no consensus uh, in that there were a number of things mentioned uh, kind of across uh, that 13%. Uh, Some things, I think there was probably a number of them that mentioned they believed the industry was going to go into a slump. Um, Some said from six months to 18 months. A number of people mentioned some innovations like continuous screening, but it was all over the lot in terms of those 13 responses. So I think what might be good, Kevin, is for us to kind of loop back to those uh, responses and and give our take on that. What do you think? Yeah, you know, and and as I looked over your results, I like the way you phrased it because in in your survey, you kind of, um, you, you forced, anyone who answered it to kind of put all their eggs in one basket. You know, you asked them to make one choice. What do you think? Right. What do you feel most strongly about will happen? And you saw the the wide range of opinions there in the breakdown that, that you just laid out for us. Um, any mm-hmm. of them that's any of them that surprised you, Barry, but the, the either the strength of, of the opinion or, you know, wow, I, I really think this is going to happen, but, but respondents didn't. Um, what were some of your takeaways there? Well, I'm not so sure any of them re- 
surprise me. Um, I actually, as it turns out, um, 14, actually 15% said business, they thought it would be business as usual. And um, my own personal view is that it's not going to be, but I don't know that I'm surprised because it's at that percentage that was, you know, figured it would just be business as usual. And I'm not sure that that's people that just don't want to change. Um, they don't see anything new on the horizon or what. Um, but I'm thinking that, you know, there's going to be a new norm in from my own perspective. Um, and I think certainly those that responded to uh, the work at home and working remote phenomena that's now taken hold, as well as some emerging technologies that either are already uh, present or people expect some new ones to come. I think those are the things that I thought uh, would be predominant. And as it turns out, they, those got the most responses. Um, and that last, that one about the layoffs and unemployment, um, I'm thinking this is, this is no different probably than any other crisis that a um, country, or in this case, our industry faces, where the companies that are not managed well or that have very low margins uh, and were barely making it are going to be have a tough going. So, I mean, that's not new. Uh, and so I did expect clearly that a number of people would respond that way. Uh, so to answer your question, I didn't really see any great surprises, um, you know, in the responses. Yeah, you know, I've, I've said a lot and, you know, you may be able to say this about any industry, but I think it's, it's, it's particularly applicable in ours. You know, we are, we are all background checkers at heart. We love doing background checks. And I talk to companies every day in our space. You talk to companies every day in our space. And I see some companies that are great at doing background checks and some companies that are great at running background check businesses. And mm -hmm. those aren't always the same thing. And where, I, right. worry, and where I worry right now is um, if we're a shop that's a little less sophisticated, to your point, maybe, you know, we don't run the business as well as some others. If we don't focus on the business because we like just, we enjoy doing the background check piece of it. Um, I worry about those shops that will kind of refocus in the wrong direction. They will run to what's comfortable. They'll run to what they're good at. They'll kind of bury their, their head in the sand a little bit. They won't do it on purpose. But boy, those are the shops I, I, I worry about. And when we talk about M&A activity and industry consolidation, uh, my concern is three, six, nine months from now, some of those shops are gonna, they're gonna run out of runway. They're gonna run out of cash and it's gonna force some really difficult decisions on their end. Yeah, I totally agree with you uh, in terms of that scenario that you painted is that I think down the road, uh, and I'm not sure what time frame, whether it's six months, 12 months. Um, but it doesn't look like we're coming out of this pandemic anytime soon here in the U.S. Is I think the runway is going to run out on a number of companies and probably most of them are smaller companies. Um, 
but I think that your way of describing it is very apropos, uh, whether they are good at running a background screening business or just good at doing background checks, because those that are good at running business will be able to weather this storm. Um, I think those that are not are going to be significantly challenged. And uh, I'm reminded of uh, what Einstein once said, and that is that uh, you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that actually created the problem. And so that's where you're referring to people honkering down and just doing what they do is actually going to be get them in trouble and they may not be able to get out of this. I think one of the key things to getting out of this beyond the basic blocking and tackling of running your business very well is going to be innovation. Uh, and by innovation, I don't necessarily mean new products as much as it means uh, innovating how you run your business. So um, I think that's one It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think uh, 12 months down the road, the industry is going to look a little different. Yeah, I've been, I've been saying, um, gosh, this is so intellectually interesting, and, and it would be if it weren't so damn scary for everybody. That's right. <laughs> I, I did a <laughs> webinar a few weeks back um, with one of the nation's leading um, innovation experts, and we kind of dove into that, that issue. Um, and, and I'm reminded on, on one of his thoughts, you know, innovation is sometimes just a phrase decreed from upon high without a particular definition of it, without a particular um, set of objectives or, or, or tactics. And it kind of leaves everybody wondering, well, okay, what do, what do I do? Where, where, do I, where do I go from here? How do I solve this, this nebulous um, objective here on, on go innovate? Um, in the conversations you're having, Barry, what, what do you see companies thinking or doing or saying that's different or new um, ways to try and try and dig themselves out of this hole? Well, it's a good question, Kevin, and it's interesting is the innovation to me and in the conversations I'm having with people doesn't always mean uh, inventing something new. Uh, and I think people kind of mix those up. Innovation for one company could be that they implement a quality process that significantly improves their efficiency. That's an innovation. Uh, even though it's not something that's radically new, it's just something that you weren't doing before. Um, so I'm seeing companies certainly take a look in the mirror and saying, okay, what are we doing that we could do better? And that's a very important conversation. Um, and then there are other companies that uh, are already running very well. They are the ones who are looking at innovation. I call it outward. And they're looking at, well, what new products or services uh, we might introduce into the market that will help us create new revenue streams. Uh, and so, you know, innovation is unique to each company, but it doesn't always mean inventing something new. That's so well said. 
So well said there. And I like that bifurcation you just you just drew there because you're, you're right. Um, and and here's where, where we'll put our shoes or, you know, our feet in the shoes of, of, of business owners. And I, I empathize because you look out at the landscape and you see so many companies in our space talking about um, new products, new revenue streams, et cetera. And, and, and I think kind of what you just said, which I agree with is, if your core focus is is eight things, product line, you know, whatever, if you do eight things, are you better served by doing those eight things better? Or are you better served by going off and doing three new things or, or chasing the rainbows like everybody else is? And, and I think, Barry, your answer was yes. And what I mean by that is, um, if you're doing eight things, but you're not doing them well, just go work on those eight things better. It, you know, block out the noise. You got to do those eight things better. But if you're doing those That's eight right. things really, really well, go chase that rainbow. Go see what's out there. Go see what you can do. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and let's, let's pivot to work from home because we're, you know, uh, Everyone's doing it now. A lot of us think it's here to stay. Anything that worries you about an industry that used to um, really value doing everything inside four walls, now starting to do everything from kitchen tables? Well, probably the, the biggest thing that worries me, and I, I just as a little hindsight, um, you know, back even in my corporate days, going back maybe 30 years ago, I was talking to people about remote working. Um, so it's not something that's new to me. And, um, but to answer your question is, you know, it's that old thing of garbage in, garbage out. If your processes and way of doing business were not really very efficient and effective, when you had them centralized in one place. And now you've got it decentralized and spread out all over the place, you are in for a rude awakening. So I think what's gonna happen is this remote working is gonna exasperate a lot of problems that were already there, and now they're gonna rear their ugly head in a much bigger way. You know, someone asked me early on, has a question I got in a webinar, and it's like, hey, you know, what, what could you what should you expect from a, a productivity standpoint um, in a work from home model? And this is, you know, it's summertime now, um, but when when school was in session and your processors were also kindergarten teachers, uh, like I was a few months ago, I said something like, you know, 50% is is what you should shoot for. Um, don't beat up your team because they got young kids and now they're teaching them math at the same time they're trying to choose aliases for, for a criminal search. Um, but what I love about the point you just made is, you know, hey, if you've got strong processes and procedures and you're 50% down, okay, I can, I can kind of work with that. I can work around that. But if you were weak to begin with when it was inside of your building and now everybody's doing it from their kitchen table and now I'm taking a 50% productivity haircut, 
boy, I got I that's got some right. problems now. <laughs> I think that's right. Thing, yeah, another thing that I worry about, I'd love your take on, is is just the information security and and, and data protection piece of this. We've spent. Oh, I think it's big. Yeah. You know, we. I think it's big. Ton of time. I mean, years and years in our industry worrying about this and building building infrastructure to protect data. And I'm not hearing a lot of chatter about it in the last couple months. So here's my question to you, Barry, based on on you know what you saw from the survey and people you talked to in our space. Are we not talking about it because it's not a problem? Or are we not talking about it because right now it doesn't matter as much relative to the broader business objectives and goals of just running an operation a little bit differently? Yeah, and I think my my answer to that would be at, again, businesses that are very well run have made um, the security of personal data kind of one of their core functioning um, ways of doing business. Many other businesses, this has been kind of a plug on that they do because it's necessary uh, given that this is the business of processing information. Uh, those in that latter group are going to be significantly challenged because if you didn't have, as you said, if you didn't have a good process in place that was core to how you run your business, um, it's going to get stretched real thin now that everything is spread out. So I think people are, I won't say avoiding it, but have put it on the back burner because they're running scared about their business surviving and doing and putting all their energy into how do I kind of keep my business going? And I'll get to that personal security uh, when I get a chance. And I think it's a formula for a disaster that, you know, data breaches have been running rampant um, when, uh, you know, in companies already. Our industry has done reasonably well in that area because they hunkered down and put in the right kind of processes. But I am very scared that we're going to have some companies that get really hit by some data breaches because now they got this distributed workforce. Yeah, I, I agree with so much of, of what you just said. And again, we all keep our ears to the ground. I was reaching out to uh, someone in the industry I, I know that works in a larger shop and, and this person kind of said, yeah, our, this this is kind of the, the new normal for us. Um, our, our physical workspace may be a place that we just kind of go to when we need to, go to for meetings or, or, or conference calls, but we're going to have a lot more flexibility in, in working from home. And I think the shops that differentiate um, roles and responsibilities. And, and, and when I say this, I don't, I'm, I'm not assigning blame. Like some shops just don't for, for very valid reasons, but you'll have some shops where your role limits your access to certain pieces of information, which removes those privacy concerns, which means you can do the work from your, your kitchen table because there's no worry about a security or, or data breach involving PII. 
uh, there's some shops and, and some systems which, which don't necessarily have those restrictions built in or the job description doesn't have that that built in you know if you're on the client support side you're looking at an order you're looking at the date of birth you're looking at the social at the same time you're talking to a client that's a different kind of risk so to your comment Barry some shops just structurally may be in a better position to do it others um, aren't and that's where I really think that fork in the road decision is it's like hey these things are really really important but I need to ensure the survival of my business um, I'm not not worried about these things, but I think my protocols are good. I think my security's good. And yeah, perhaps down the road, I'll revisit it to make sure they're as strong as they need to be. But I think they're good right now. Today, I got to keep my business alive. Mm -hmm. And I'll tackle tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah, I think you're right. What else did you see from your survey, Barry, that you think is interesting for, for our listeners to, to hear our thoughts on? Well, I think what the survey told me is that um, some people are thinking about um, this pandemic as an opportunity, and then others are thinking about it as uh, an inconvenient reality. Um, and that for me um, is going to play itself out somewhere down the road uh, in the runway that you were referring to earlier. Um, because companies that understand that uh, we're going to come out of this at some point uh, and are starting to plan for that and are able to plan for that. Uh, are going to be way ahead of those that are simply in survival and struggle mode who are uh, worrying about today and, hey, I don't have any time to worry about tomorrow uh, because tomorrow is going to come and it's going to smack them right in the face. Um, so I think the survey for me reinforced that notion is that there is probably about 50% of the companies in the industry that um, are saying, okay, yeah, we've got to hunker down and get through this, but we also know tomorrow is going to come and we got to start to prepare for that, which means that there's probably another 50% that are just focused on surviving. Um, and probably for them, that's their reality, so I'm not criticizing them. Um, but that reality may actually make their business tenure be short-lived. Yeah, you know, the, the, the future, I think, is, you know, we're really looking in one of two directions, and I hate binary choices. I always wanted door number three. But to that, you know, 15 17% that think we're business as usual, um, I, I don't agree with that. And, you know, someone had asked me, they're like, well, why, why aren't, why don't you work inside of a CRA anymore? Um, and I said, well, well, partly it's because I'm a kindergarten teacher. And in, <laughs> in a couple of months, I expect to be a first grade teacher. Um, and the other part is I just, I, I love what I'm doing. I, I, you know, and it's kind of, you're, you're in the same boat. We get to help everybody. We get to be a friend to everybody. Right. And that, that makes me feel really, really good. But 
my point is, as I talk through that and, and I, I parallel your comments, um, a lot of shops are really going in one of two directions. It's let's get through this and survive. And for those companies that I work with, we work on those solutions, we work on those objectives, those goals, what does that? And for the other set of shops, it's, boy, this is the best opportunity in 20 years to hire people. There's so much opportunity, there's so much talent out there from team members who are really, really strong, but have been laid off through no fault of their own. I can go build right. a better mousetrap by talking to some of those people and strengthening my team. Doesn't mean increasing payroll, you know, it, it's that's right. in your team by increasing payroll, but gosh, you know, John Smith is available and I kind of have a little hole in my team. I, I, I need to talk to John Smith and see if he can, he can strengthen me. And I tell you, I, I'm, li I'm living vicariously through those shops too, <laughs> because there's just yep. so much opportunity to help them. So um, I, and I think you as well, we like helping shops that kind of have that more day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month struggle. Um, how do we stabilize? How do we advance? But then there's also the shops that are saying, man, I'm looking at 2022, 2023. Help me get there. Help me really, really win. And and that's that's cool as well. Um, but but it is kind of interesting that, you know, we're, we're really having, and I think you as well, we're having one or the other conversation these days. Yeah. Uh and I agree, unfortunately, that's probably the case. Uh, I do also think that, um, you know, and this loops back to our conversation about um, innovation to some extent. Um, I think one of the opportunities that's going to strongly emerge um, out of this pandemic scenario is identity management and that companies again that can uh, pull a head out of the ground like that ostrich and kind of look forward uh, and see that are going to be able to get ahead of the curve uh, and again some won't be able to do that because their head's still in the ground of really running their business um, but I think identity management is going to be one of the real winners given this switch to remote management and remote working um it's going to become critically important well thanks for sharing that piece because i know a lot of shops are trying to get out in front of that i'm certainly seeing that through various marketing channels and, and linkedin as well um i i think that's a that's a good place for us to, to end it but hey before all of you hit stop and 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 move away from the podcast. Barry has a drawing. It's a very exciting moment here on Background Check Radio. Barry promised an Apple Watch to one of the survey respondents. So he's going to go ahead. He's going to do that drawing right now. This is this is a real lifetime live drawing, by the way, because I asked him before we started recording who won, and he didn't know. <laughs> so so as I lead up to this, he's doing the drawing right now, and he's just going to tell us. So who we got, Barry? Yep. Drum roll. And I just kind of hit the uh, the button uh, to shuffle the uh, people who responded. And the name that came up was Rashid Zahidi. Uh, he's with Sentinel Screening. And so I want to thank Rashid for responding to the survey. And he is the winner of our Apple Watch. Very cool. Very cool. Thanks for doing that, Barry. 
Uh, Barry, how can people reach you if they want to learn more about the survey and, and your solutions? Uh, they can reach me at wbnixon at preemploymentdirectory.com. And for those that don't know, preemployment does not have a hyphen in it. So wbnixon at preemploymentdirectory.com. And uh, if you want an actual copy of the survey results, Send me an email, and I'll be happy to share them with you. Um, and uh, my plug is make sure you're subscribing to the Background Buzz, the leading newsletter in the industry. And Kevin, thank you so much for having me on your show. Barry, it's my pleasure. And if you're interested in more of my thoughts as well, you can reach me at kevin at cradoctor.com. So that does it for us. Thanks to my guest, Barry Nixon, for joining us here on Background Check Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. Please continue to subscribe and, and rate the podcast if you'd like. And with that, have a great day, everyone. <laughs>